0: So uh, in about five hours, there's going to be people all over the country and world tuning in to what is called the Super Bowl. So we might as well acknowledge it because it's it's who we are. All right. Ram fans. All right. Patriots. Okay. Okay. And there's a third category. Anyone, anyone... um, the opposite side of the Patriots. Doesn't matter who it is. That's who you're rooting for. You're the anti-Patriots. I see you're just the anti-Patriots. I, that, that just, right? Who, who cares for European football? Real football, as Martin would say, right? There's some real footballers here, right? Who's just going to go shopping or sleep through it or eat through it? It's just like another day. It's just another day, right? If you happen to tune in, it is the Super Bowl, right? And there's the World Series, there's the NBA Finals, two teams, the Olympics, individuals, right? They've reached the pinnacle. They've reached the pinnacle. You're going to watch athletes, teams today, who have really, really reached the, the top level of the National Football League, right? And yet, uh, we've been seeing that really what it boils down to, what you're going to see on TV, uh, are guys running around doing things that they learned probably back in elementary school. The fundamentals, They've just grown up, they just do it a lot faster, they're a lot bigger, it's a lot more complex, but bottom line, when you're watching these guys on TV today, if you watch it, or soccer, or basketball, what you're watching is professionals, we call them professionals because they get paid to do it, but they're not doing anything really fundamentally different than the kids who are playing at Nordoff, or Matillaha or any of the elementary schools at recess. It's all fundamentals. It's all fundamentals, and they just hone it. They practice it. You know, they're, they're in the gym. Kobe Bryant is well known for being in the gym when he was a Laker at 4, 5 a.m., shooting hundreds and thousands of free throws. Why? Because he wanted to be ready for that one free throw in the NBA finals that would decide the game. Did he know if that was, it was ever going to happen? No, but he was doing the fundamentals even as a multimillionaire professional athlete in the gym, 5 a.m., 500, 1,000 free throws, all in preparation for when the need arose. Years ago, I was reading a book, uh, it's called The Spirit of Disciplines, and the author talked about how Christians tend to be what we call spur-of-the-moment Christians. What is a spur-of-the-moment Christian? Spur-of-the-moment Christian doesn't really focus on fundamentals, doesn't really do the daily things necessary, the basketball court at 5 a.m. type of things. A lot of us tend to be spur of the moment, which means we just react. We kind of don't lay some uh, groundwork. We're not doing foundational things. We go through life, and there's just things pop up, and in the spur of the moment, we pray. In the spur of the moment. What is that verse again? What is that verse again? Right? We tend to kind of just be spur of the moment believers, and, and it's honestly probably more comfortable easier fits our schedule you know the things we've been talking about the fundamentals you know some of us call them boring mundane you know am i ever going to use this right and yet those who lay the foundational framework for your faith quite honestly when you're out there you're prepared amen There's a deep preparedness. There's a joy that comes in the preparation, right? The guys today on the TV, they don't know what's going to happen, but deep down, they're ready. They're ready. They're fundamentally ready, right? Whatever may happen in the heat of battle, the fundamentals are so sound that they are confident that they're going to be able to deal with it. That's what they get paid to do. That's why they're at this level. Same thing as believers. Believers. If you will put in the fundamental work, the foundational work, the things we're talking about beginning at the heart, you're going to see your life transformed. Just how you walk into work will be different. Just how you walk into a classroom will be different. Just how you walk into your house will be different. Why? Because there's kind of sometimes a lot of believers walk around with this, kind of this constant anxiety constant fear of a worst case scenario happening right and so you kind of walk around you kind of mm, mm, mm. well here's the thing if you put in some foundational work into the word of god and get some real what we call meat around it man you're you're going to walk in confidence you say lord i don't know for sure what's going to happen today but i'm confident in you i'm confident in my relationship with you i'm confident in the power of the holy spirit I'm confident in in the word. And that's why we're spending so much time on the fundamentals, right? We shared that that Vince Lombardi started training way back in the 60s, right? He told his guys who had just come off the Super Bowl the year before lost it. So the Green Bay Packers showed up at training camp, and he said, gentlemen, this is a football. And he started at the most basic fundamental level for a pro athlete. This is a football. Fundamentals, right? Right? And so for f- almost four weeks now, we've said, this is a Bible. This is a Bible. Okay, so let's stay at the fundamentals. And we've been looking at fundamentals, and we've seen fundamentally, if we want to grow in, in our walk with Jesus, if we want to be more like Jesus, if we want to be godly, right? 1 Peter 2 says this, "...like newborn babies crave pure spiritual milk, so that by it you may grow up in your salvation." Now that you have tasted that the Lord is good. So if we want to grow up, if we want to be spiritually mature, he says, hey, you need this. This is it. Foundational. This is your food, if you want to call it that, your spiritual food. But rather than just jumping into all these how-tos, okay, so tell me how to do it. How to read. How to study. How to memorize. How to biblically meditate on it, right? All these how-tos, which a lot of, you know, a lot of resources out there. We we want to jump right to the how-to. Tell me what to do. We'll have a quiet time. Tell me, how do I do that? How do I... You know, if you don't settle some heart issues regarding the Bible, a lot of the how-tos, you're going to do a lot of stuff. It's kind of like when you put your car in neutral. You know, you're going to press on. You're going to hear a lot, ring, ring, ring. You're right. You're going to make a lot of noise. You're going to burn gas. You might blow up your engine. And you look outside. Like I didn't move anywhere. I made zero forward progress. Well, kind of, I think a lot of Christians, a lot of us, we get caught up in a lot of doing. Ring, read, ring, right? Go to Tuesday night, ring, right? Memorize, ring. We're just like, we're churning and we're getting tired. And now he comes up and tells us we got to go to Mexico and Haiti. Ring, ring, ring. Now all women, now I got to go to these women things. Ring, ring. And a lot of us in churchdom, we're just tired. And that's our fault. Because we keep you busy. And if we're not careful, all the busyness kind of masks that we're not moving. We're just not moving. See, my biggest heart for you individually, for us as a church, come December 31st of this year, is actually that we made progress spiritually. Not that we did a lot of stuff. Not that we burned a lot of gas, burned a lot of, you know, whatever we're going to burn around here, resources, energy, people. And then to December 31st comes and we're like, so Kathy, uh, the real question is going to be, did the women of the church mature this year spiritually? That's her heart, right? We're called to make disciples. The children, we don't do kingdoms kids just because, you know, it's glorified daycare to give you all a break. That's not why we do kingdom kids here. We do kingdom kids here because we genuinely believe that that is the next generation. And when we're all celebrating with each other in heaven, I'm praying that a lot of their kids and those friends are in these seats. And maybe one of them is right here. Wouldn't that be awesome? You see, but that's our responsibility. They are our responsibility. They are part of the church. They are part of the church. But that's why we do things, not just to go wing, 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 right, and feel good that we made a lot of noise. We want to mature. We want to grow. But that comes back to the fundamentals, right? So we saw a couple of weeks ago that regarding the Bible, first fundamental, you've got to settle the authority issue. We talked about this. You can listen on tape. Uh, not on tape. <laughs> we didn't have tapes anymore. I just dated myself. All right? Come get a tape and a CD. And maybe an 8-track, you know? Um, how many remember 8-tracks? Some, some, some of this, some, they're like, what? A-track, what? Cassette, right? Online, through our website, you can listen to past messages, right? And our app, we have an app. There's an app as well. Authority, we said, you know what? You can, you can agree that this is inspired, Second Timothy 3.16, right? All scripture is God-breathed. We talked about, okay, you can, you can agree this is inspired, this is truth, but if it's not the authority... The heart issue, number one, you've got to settle the authority. Who is the ultimate authority in your life, right? Who calls it shots, right? Proverbs 4.23 says, Above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. That's where it, It's our foundational verse for this. It's a heart issue. Second one, James one twenty two. Do not merely listen to the word, and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. We saw regarding the word of God, if you come and you just believe that hearing something and listening and taking notes is you're good to go that verse says you're deceived in fact it says you're deluded and we looked at length that in the old testament and in the new in the new testament biblical hearing is inseparable from doing in fact in the bible you haven't heard unless you do right we talked about at home right as parents you ask your kid to clean up. Nothing happens, you come back around and you say, Hey, didn't you hear me? Well what what are you saying? Didn't you hear and hear me with the implication you were supposed to do what I told you to do? Right? So foundational to us, especially in the American church, where you know it's very large and and it's kinda like I'm talking at you and I don't have time to interact with you all of you after and ask you the real question, so what'd you do with it? What'd you do with it? You know, I've shared with you before the challenge I have. Every Sunday I'm supposed to come up and give you something new. When I'm sitting up here and I'm going, what would you do with it? What would you do with last Sunday's notes? Did you actually apply it? What did you do? Because if we develop the habit of deceiving ourselves that we're going to sit, oh, that was good. And then we're going to go out and we're going to go and do nothing with it. That verse says we're deceived and then even more more scary for spiritual maturity is you're actually developing that habit. You're developing the habit of ignoring the word of God. How many of you, not now, I'm, at one point may have thought that your child in your home had developed the same habit of ignoring the word of father or mother? You're like, right? Even we we all get that, right? We all we, we we've been on, you know, it's like. You know, like, I know, I know, I hurt. No, biblically, you, you know, again, it's not a listening problem like with the sound waves hitting their eardrum. It's a, what we call shema, right? Shema. Here, it's a shemaing issue in your house. They're not hearing and doing. That's what you really got to, you know, that's, that's even for a parenting standpoint. I encourage you, parents. Just kind of, I raised five kids. I want to encourage you, parents, when you ask, your children to do something, but just be careful to follow through with what you ask them to do. Otherwise, if you don't, you're just training them and you're teaching them that they don't have to. And ultimately, that can translate to this because you're the authority in the house. And so you're training them by asking them and holding them responsible and accountable to follow through with what you said as the authority in your home. You're actually training them and teaching them to listen to the ultimate authority okay? That's a bonus. So, okay. But it, it, it all ties in, right? Hearing and doing, hearing and doing, right? Last week, we saw two heart issues. James one twenty two in the English Standard uh, Version says this, but be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves, right? So we looked at the difference between being a doer and someone who just does it. The word doer, applies to the definition. The word picture is it's your occupation. It's who you are. See, again, there's a fine distinction because, Eileen, can you put up 122 in the NIV, the one right before it? So James 1.22 in the NIV says, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Okay? Go ahead in the next one. This one says be a doer." Fundamental, Fundamental shift, but very important because a lot of us, if we look at this as a bunch of rules and a bunch of do's and don'ts, we can do it, but we're not doers. We're not doers. It says in, we're to be doers. It's a heart issue. It's who we are. It's like Kathy, very talented artist, right? Very talented artist. What she creates and some of the artwork around the church here, very, it's, it's who she is. If you give me a piece of what's it, canvas, I don't even know what it's called, right? And I and I, when I tried to do that, I could do Cheese Peak. I could do it, and say, "Here, teacher, I did it. That was my assignment." When she does it, she's an artist. It's coming out of who she is, right? It's just not a task to be accomplished. That's a hard issue that we looked at last last Sunday. Are, are, when, as a believer, are you focused on just doing? Or is it who you are? Are you a doer? Right? And, and related to that had to do with how we perceive the Bible. Second hard issue, James one twenty-five. Whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom. Right? We said, you know what? This isn't a bunch of bondage here. A lot of people grew up, Bibles, rules, regulations, a bunch of don'ts. Mostly don'ts. You know, God is the cosmic killjoy. Right? He's a big bad principle in the sky and he's just waiting for you to mess up, so just toe the line. Right? A lot of us kind of, you might even grow up with that in the church. That verse says, Whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives what? Freedom. Biblical freedom. It's a book of freedom. This is a book of freedom. Right? Charles Kingsley said, There are two freedoms the false, where a man is free to do what he likes, the true, where a man is free to do what he ought, right? The world, we've talked about the, the, the difference between the world's definition and the Bible's definition of freedom. world says freedom is absence of restraint. Biblical definition of freedom is I'm free to do what God wants me to do because I want to. Radical difference, radical difference. Warren Wiersbe says freedom does not mean I'm able to do whatever I want to do. That's the worst kind of bondage. Freedom means I have been set free to become all that God wants me to be, to achieve all that God wants me to achieve, to enjoy all that God wants me to enjoy. When God saved you, he gave you a new life, not a new law. As you yield to that life, you obey his law. And what was the, the, the core freedom that we saw and celebrated last Sunday? We're no longer slaves to sin. Amen? You are no longer a slave to sin. Right? That man, I hope, you, I hope you did something with that this past seven days. I hope you did something with that truth. You are no longer a slave to sin. You, doesn't mean it's easy to break old habits, but you are no longer a slave to sin. You don't have to. Right? We saw this wonderful quote by Dr. Pritchard. He says, you don't have to sin anymore. I think we could, I mean, if I, we stop the service there. Some of you would just chew on that. You don't have to. It doesn't say you won't. It just says you don't have to. Because the Bible says in Romans 6, you're no longer a slave to sin. You don't have to live in defeat anymore. You don't have to be down anymore. You don't have to go years and years and years committing the same old dumb sins over and over again. Why? Because the law of the spirit of life of Jesus Christ has set you free. Therefore, if you choose to dwell in sin, if you choose to be defeated, it's because you've chosen to live that way, not because you must live that way. Freedom! Amen? Right? C.S. Lewis, I love this. Obedience is the road to freedom. Now that's a radical paradigm shift for some. Because again, depending on your church upbringing, depending on your family upbringing, depending on your school experiences, obedience is what? This is obedience, right? And C.S. Lewis says, no, it's the road to freedom. It's just a matter how you're defining it and what lens you're looking through. What lens you're looking through, the world's or the Bibles, right? And so we're going to continue looking. James 1.25 says this, again, coming back to it. The one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. Okay, so it's like, okay, I got it. I want to be a doer. Well, according to that verse, the doer does four things, right? Here's some real practical thing. What does a doer do? Number one, he looks intently or looks, looks intently. That is way past a glance. It is it is more than this. Woo, yeah, did my time. All right? I mean, again, a lot of us, yep, what's the Bible reading plan? Da, da, da. All right, good. Check it off the list. Move on. That word looks intently, right? It's it's, it's the same used in John 20, verse 5. In John 20, uh, they go up. Some of Jesus' followers see an empty tomb. They go running back. Boom, 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 boom. Hey, hey, stones roll away. Tomb's empty. John and Peter get in a race. John wins. John gets to the empty tomb, and John 20, verse 5 says, he bent over and looked in at the strips of linen lying there but did not go in. That's what it means. Imagine John. I'm pretty sure he didn't do this. Yeah, she was right. I'm pretty sure he didn't do that. I'm pretty sure when he looked in, he was like, hello? I'm sure everything in that tomb was carefully examined. That's what it means. That's what a doer does. They look intently at the Word of God. They persevere. They don't forget. They act on what they hear. Right? They act on what they hear. Four things. Right? But what I want to focus on today, and, and we're going to actually focus on the next couple weeks, is in James one twenty five it says this. A doer, go ahead, Eileen, put that one back up, James 1.25. A doer will be blessed in his doing. Right? So a doer does these four things, but then there's a promise. A doer will be blessed in his doing. We're going to spend this week, next week, as long as we kind of need to, because this, this um, terminology, I'll say, this part of our conversation in the church has become so prevalent that we really need to be careful Bless, blessing, blessed. It's out there, right? Hashtag blessed. But do we really even know what it means? Biblically, right? I was sharing with the guys this morning. My my wife and I were at Target. She was so excited. You know, just this past week, her favorite shirt now is a little t-shirt and it says blessed. And of course, the senior pastor in me was like, Do you know what that means? What does that really mean? I didn't say that. I've learned. I have learned. Keep the two separate. I'm like, that's pretty. (laughs) I like that color. I like that color. Praise God she's doing nursery today. So I'm like... (laughs) So there's a promise Radical promise. He will be blessed. The doer will be blessed in his doing. Now, just to begin with, if you're comfortable highlighting, circling, underlining, key key word in that little last phrase is in. In. Because it doesn't say he will be blessed for. He will be blessed In. As he is doing, in the process of doing, he is promised to be blessed, not for. The blessing is not a reward. The blessing is not a reward for doing. See, again, this is where we have to be careful because there's a lot of, <laughs> there's a lot of things out in the church and they're filling up churches because they're saying this, hey, if you do this, you're going to get this. And it's, and it's really affecting people's motives. And they're throwing out the word bless and blessing and blessed. And if you're not careful and you switch that to a four, what happens is now you're doing things for who? For me. It becomes a self-centered faith. Because now I'm going to do something because now it's contractual. Well, God, I did this. What do I get for it? Right? Parents, how many of you Desire your children to begin doing their chores and helping around the house because they're just in the family. Not because they get something for it. Anyone? Right? Right? There's a maturing that it's like, no, don't take out the trash for your allowance. Don't wash the dishes for something you get, a privilege. No. You just do it because it's who you are and you enjoy the blessing of being part of something bigger. It's the in, right? But it seeped into the church, and 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 we have to be real careful. What is it? Because a lot of us, I mean, I was when I've been studying this week. I'm like, I'm real careful. Like, okay, man, how many times a day do I even say blessed? Oh man, we're blessed. This church is blessed. Even Tyler said it. Come, nothing wrong with what Tyler said. Or Bill. It's a blessing. It's a blessing, right? You're a blessing. You're a blessing. You're, you're right. How was service today? Oh, it was a blessing. How you doing? Oh, I'm blessed. What do you mean? What do you mean by that? You've got to be real careful. you got to be real careful. I took a bunch of uh, junior hires way back in the 90s. We went to Grenada on a mission trip. And we were there with some junior hires and high schoolers, and one of the guys uh, was wearing a, a gold cross. I don't know what that, what right? And we're, we're around, and we're about to go out uh, for a day thing, and one of the other leaders... Just happened to cross paths with this teenager. He says, hey, man, nice cross. What does it mean? Why do you wear it? I mean, he was honestly, and nothing wrong, but he was just wearing it mostly for jewelry, right? Because it was something that looked nice. But the other leader helped him to understand, if someone asks you, it's a great inn. Why do I wear this? Oh, because it represents my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And, you know, he gave him a fuller answer of why he could be wearing it rather than just wearing it just because. Sometimes in our faith these days, we say we throw out the word blessed, blessing, blessed, just because it's kind of like cool now. But we don't even know really what it means. We would be stopped in our tracks if someone said, what do you mean by that? What do you mean by that? Because a lot of us now, if we're not careful, we're equating the word blessed, blessed, and blessing with, spiritual, I mean, not spiritual, with material prosperity. The problem with that okay, and we're gonna we're gonna talk about this so the problem with with limiting or or almost overemphasizing the word blessed, blessed and all that to material uh, circumstantial prosperity is what happens when you lose your job. What happens when you get sick? Are you no longer blessed? See, and it sets up the church. First, it gets wonky real quick because there's people in here who had a really good week. And if I asked you how your week went, you'd say, dude, I was blessed. I was blessed. It was a blessing this week. And because I know there are people in here who just barely made it in the door. But are they blessed? See, we just have to be real careful. We have to understand what does the Bible mean by this phrase that's very common, right? Chuck Smith Jr. Uh, shares this story. He says, "We were in Caesarea Maritime the first day of our Israel tour. The guide had delivered his spiel. We had our Bible study, and we are heading back to the bus. A young man came up behind myself and the two people walking with me. He was really up and upset and said, "Would you look at this?" With thumb and index finger, he was holding his shirt gingerly away from his skin. His shoulder had been targeted which by the look of what he left behind must have been a very large seagull. Just then another tour guide was passing us, and in her strong Hebrew accent said, It's a blessing! The young man looked up with a doubtful expression and said, It's a blessing? Without turning back to look at us, the guide said over her shoulder, It's a blessing cows don't fly. Was it a blessing? What do you mean by that, right? I love that because it just jars. Oh, wait, yeah, what do I even mean? Right? Right? So we're going to look at that. In fact, one translation of the New Testament, the ESV, the English Standard Version, has 112 references with the words bless, blessing, or blessed. 112. None of which connects blessing to material prosperity. None. There is no hint of material prosperity or perfect circumstance in any New Testament reference. Whew. Right? So right away we're like, ah. Right? It's a big subject. And, and so what we're going to do is we're going to focus today in, in, in the time we have, uh, maybe just touching surface, scratching the surface, on what is the word blessed in that particular verse. There's four major words in the Bible, blessed, blessing, blessed, and we're going to look at all of them in the next few weeks so we can really understand this this really scriptural truth about this. But we're going to start with just what does that mean? He will be blessed in his doing, right? Now, uh, as we move forward, I'm going to, if you didn't notice, when we put ESV, that's when we're using a translation that's not the NIV. So the ESV stands for the English Standard Version to help us understand blessing we're going to i'm going to put up a new one that we haven't uh, seen before and it's going to be the grammar on it is going to be a little bit challenging initially because it's called the young's literal translation so instead of trying to take the greek and make it really comfortable for us english readers young's literal translation does its best just to here's the greek here's how it lays out right so in James 1.25, it says this. That's what YLT will stand for. Young's literal translation. And he who did look into the perfect law, that of liberty, and did continue there, this one, not a forgetful hearer becoming, but a doer of work, this one shall be what? Oh. Happy. Happy. Right? So I'm just warning you where it says, right, this one, not a forgetful hearer becoming, right? When I'm reading Young's literal translation, sometimes it helps if I think of Yoda talking, right? Because Yoda sometimes speaks (laughs) backwards like, you know, not a forgetful hearer becoming, right? Oh, Yoda, I got it. Okay, I just got to put the words different, right? So in the YLT, it says this one, the doer shall be what? Happy." Happy, happy. The word in this verse, and what we're going to focus on, is makarios. I'm going to say makarios. All right. I put some things I'm going to read, but there's definition. For those of you who like this kind of stuff, and I thought, you know what, I'm just going to put it up there. I know some of you start taking pictures now. That's great. I love that you take pictures of the screens. At its core, makarios means happy or blessed. Happy, right? To be fully satisfied regardless of circumstances find full satisfaction, possessing God's favor, spiritual prosperity, one who is in the world yet independent of the world because their satisfaction comes from God and not from favorable circumstances. Self-contained happiness because in Christ I have everything I need to be fully satisfied in every situation. See, the key about Makarios, about blessed, it's a state, it's a condition. Here's the challenge. We have all been endowed with inalienable rights. What are they? Life, liberty, and the pursuit of what? Oh, the pursuit of happiness. So we've been raised in a culture where happiness is to be pursued. Is that biblical? Or is it biblically more accurate to say happiness has been found and it's a state that I can enjoy? because of who I am in Christ. See, makarios is a state, it's a condition, a present tense. We no longer biblically have to pursue happiness in Christ. It's all right there. If you understand it, that's why we're going to have to take time because many of us, you're out there, you're working nine to five, you're going to school, and you have this pursuit of happiness. Okay, so... Define happiness? What is it? What's your criteria? In 2018, the UN, they come out every once in a while with this top list of, they they rank all these, they have a survey and they send it out in the happiest country in the world. You know what it was in 2018? Anyone? 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 Finland. Finland! Guess where the good old US of A was on the happiest survey? 18. UK was 19 but they use this criteria there's six criteria and they send it out so they have this criteria the UN has six items, six criteria and based on the survey results they rank the happiest country on the planet and that was Finland based on their criteria question for you question for me what's your criteria for happiness what is it and here's what really is interesting The English word happy comes from a root word of hap, H-A-P. Do you know what hap means? Chance, lucky, fortunate. So the English word happy is actually based on luck, on chance, on favorable circumstances coming your way if you're fortunate. That is not the Greek word. Makarios does not refer to that at all. And yet, many of us in this room are pursuing happiness, but if you're doing it in the English word, uh, you're banking your happiness on what? Favorable circumstances. Things lining up just right. Things going your way. right? Many of us in this room, we live our, our, our happiness is an if-then statement. If, then I'll be happy. You fill in the blank. That's not biblical. That's not, that's not what he's talking about here, right? So this is why we got to kind of challenge this because a lot of us, you've been pursuing happiness and you kind of bought into the world system about how to define it. Where are you looking for true happiness, true satisfaction, right? I really put up the, the Makarios definition, right? Where are you looking for full satisfaction? Is your happiness based on circumstance or independent of it? I love that last one thriving. It's a state of thriving, of flourishing. Can you say that about your walk with Jesus? Can you say that right now that because of who you are, regardless of your income, regardless of any circumstance, right now, because you're in Christ, are you thriving? Are you flourishing at the core level? Are you happy? See, this is where it's just going to take time because you're going to have to go home and you're going to have to reconfigure. Because as a parent of five kids, you know, I'm like, okay, I cannot define happiness as my kids not getting in trouble. Because that's going to not last very long. Right? What are you defining happiness as? What, what's, your, what's your criteria? As a believer, as a believer, that's the challenge we're talking about. As a believer. Here, here's a word picture to help us. The Greeks called the island of Cyprus. Check this out. It was, it's amazing. The Greeks called the island of Cyprus the happy or blessed isle. Why? They believed that because of its geographical location, perfect climate, and fertile soil Anyone who lived on Cyprus had it made in the shade. It was thought to have everything necessary for life contained within its small coastline perimeter. It was self-contained and filled. Satisfaction and happiness were all right there. Question. Is satisfaction and happiness for you as a Christian already right there? Wink, wink, it is. It is. You just may have been looking right past it in the pursuit of something that's not even designed to... It's chance. It's luck. You're lucky, right? Lucky, right? There's no luck. Happiness isn't based on luck or chance biblically. If you're a believer, you have everything you need right now. Right now. It's not the Isle of Cyprus. It's in Christ. It's all self-contained. It's right there, right? Here's what it says. 1 Peter 4.14. Here's an example. If you are insulted because of the name of Christ, you are blessed, or happy are you, for the spirit of glory and of God rests on you. So here's a circumstance. Someone's being insulted, and it says, hey, wait, biblically, you're still happy. You're still blessed because God is with you. I love that verse. It has nothing to do with your circumstance. It has nothing to do with my circumstance. This satisfaction, this fullness, this thriving, you and I take wherever we go as doers. Amen. As followers of Jesus, we leave here in happiness, because we're in Christ. We're in Christ. Ephesians 1 3. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. Okay. A. Great verse. We have everything. B. Completely different word. So don't think that's Makarios. We'll get there. You're like, what? But it says blessed. No, it's a different word. It doesn't mean anything less than. We've got it all. You've won the spiritual lottery. It's all there. It's all there. It's all there. How many of you, just, just you don't know, have to raise your hand. If, for some miraculous reason, you were notified right now on, a, on your, if you have a bank app, ding ding, right? and you got this little notification, ding, 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 we are pleased to inform you that a million dollars has been deposited to your account. We've checked it. It is all legitimate. It's good to go. Use it as you will to pay off debt, yada, yada. How many of you, it would just radically change? Not your outside, but your inside. You'd be like... You would be like, lit! You'd be like, I got it, it's in the bank. It's banked. They said it's good, they examined it, a million dollars. Boom, all those things, all those circumstances... I, I got the resources. Even before you went and dealt with and paid off everything, you would be so radically lit inside because of what you own already. You would be like, you would leave here. <laughs> I'm like, what got into you? A million dollars. <laughs> oh, you were checking your phone during the sermon. Yeah, you know, sorry. But... You would radically change. Everything would radically change inside out before you paid off the first bill because you would be aware of a truth, something credited to your account. That's makarios. That's blessed. Being aware of your spiritual prosperity, what's already credited to your account. The Bible says you have everything you need for life and godliness. Everything. Everything. So how should that affect when you, walk to church, or when you walk to work tomorrow? How should it affect when you walk into school? right? When you're around whatever circumstance, how should that affect you? Mm-hmm. Hopefully even more so than if you had a million in the bank. Yeah. Changes everything. Because a lot of us as believers, we're circumstance-driven, or we have this victim mentality. We've abdicated the ability to exercise our choice. And now we just react. We react. We react. And we get pounded and we get pounded. Oh well, no. You know, we can just no. Oh, I have everything. I have everything. I'm gonna, we're gonna stop right there. And we'll pick up because How many in here want to be happy? You just do. I'm not talking a million dollars. I'm not talking a Lamborghini. Just at the core. I just want to be happy, man. I just want to be happy. Right? The good news and and what I hope that that you'll take just in, in what we've done today is that in Christ, all the resources are there that you don't have to pursue happiness in Jesus. It's already here. (laughs) You got everything you need in Christ. Picture that Isle of Cyprus. If you were a, a, a citizen of the Isle of Cyprus living there, man, we got everything we need. We're good to go. This is cool. Yeah. Well, it's the same thing. I'm in the church. I'm in Christ. I got everything I need. Yeah. So my encouragement to you this week. Spend some time examining this happiness question. Which have been your criteria? What's your if-then for happiness? Right? And my prayer, honestly, my, my prayer is that some of you will go, What? What? The pursuit is over? Oh, yeah. It was over when you put your faith in Jesus. Because when you put your faith in Jesus, he said, boop! Every spiritual blessing, boop! It's all right there. You're my child. You're my son. You're my daughter. Here you go. Why didn't anybody ever tell me? Well, now you're hearing. So my, my, my prayer for us, right? Lord, help me to leave here really grasping, really appropriating, really believing That I can be happy. Because I think a lot of us have. I think the world circumstances, even if you read the news, I mean, our own experiences, a lot of us in the church, even, we've just kind of given up on the thought of being happy. You know what we're doing instead of being happy? We're surviving. We're not thriving, we're not flourishing. We're just trying to hang on till I get to the pearly gates, or Jesus shows up. That's what we're doing. We're hanging on. We're not happy. We're we're hanging on. We're we're not we're not thriving. We're surviving. You've given up. You're almost scared to believe you can be happy. You're almost scared. Maybe something happened, you got betrayed. Maybe you tried and failed. Maybe someone said you shouldn't. Maybe something happened and you gave up on this idea of happiness a long time ago. My encouragement to you this week. Eileen, let's put up James 1.25. He who did look into the perfect law, that law of liberty, and did continue there, this one, not a forgetful here becoming, but a doer of work, this one shall be happy. In his doing. Makarios. Isle of Cyprus. Mm-hmm. I just want... Just, it's all I can do. You know? Believe me, I told Bill, there is so much on this whole blessing topic. And I'm like, the, the challenge for me is to like, go this slow, because it cuts to the core of us, especially in our country. Pursuit of happiness. Pursuit of happiness. And it's always just beyond. Just beyond. is not... I, I, just beyond. I just need one more thing. I just need one more raise. I just need to get one more thing. Then I'll be happy. I just want my kid to do this. Then we'll be happy. Then, 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 then. And God in, 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 in his gospel says, No! In Christ, you have everything you need. You have everything you need to walk out of here. Banked. Banked. So you go, you follow Jesus with that swag. Yeah. Yeah. What's up with you? Makarios, man. Makarios. What's that weird smile? Makarios. Seriously, if you let this sink in about who you are in Christ and all the resources you have, I pray this funky smile shows up on your face. And I pray someone this week says, dude, what's up with you, man? You got this weird smirk. You got this weird smile. Dude, what's up with you? You're a little more alive. You got more enthusiasm this week. I hope someone asks you and I hope it's an in for you to talk about happiness and to tell them where you're getting it in Jesus. Amen? Let's pray. Lord, thank you. Thank you that you say in James 1.25 as doers we will be happy. It's a state. It's a condition. It's who we are. It's thriving because of All that we have in Christ. Right now. Right now. We're not pursuing it. It's present tense. It is in our spiritual account as we sit here. Right now. So Father, please help us to believe it. To believe it. Lord, if we have given up on the idea of being happy. If we're just burnt out, tired, exhausted of pursuing this mythical happiness Lord, set us free from that bondage. Set us free from that lie. And bring us back to the truth that in Christ, we can be happy. In Christ, there is makarios. Self-contained happiness and joy. That we don't have to be tossed about by circumstances. That our happiness isn't based on a good outcome, on luck, on chance. No, 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 no. Our happiness is based on who we are in Jesus. We are children of God. We are children of God. Our names are written in the book of life. We know how the story ends. We are on the winning team. Lord, millions, billions of people will watch a game wondering who's going to win. I thank you that as we sit here in Jesus, we win. We win. We know the outcome. Because we know you. Because we know you. And that makes us happy. Happy in Jesus.